Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. He brings the passion. For what? I want to know now. I'm, I'm mentally invested. Don't tell me to pray and you don't say what for. He brings the perspective. Yeah, I... I think they both have a great point. Get off me, text line. Uh, he's truly one of a kind. That is wow. Oh, my God. Oh. And he's doing a great job. I okay. need you to man up and say what you really want to say. Simon, you're doing a great job. And together, they are Steiny and Guru. Yeah. On 95.7 The Game. All right, what is going on, Bay Area? Evan Giddings alongside F.P. Santangelo with you here on a feel-good Friday. In for Steiny and Guru Matt Steinmetz out, of course, sending love to him along with Joe Shasky, Daryl the Guru Johnson back next week. Well, I know it's supposed to be a fun Friday. I know F doesn't stand for fun, but what's going on, F.P.? I'm happy to be working with you, man. Evan, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, look, I know it's a little foggy outside. We got the Bay Area weather coming through, but we got a lot on our radar because the Warriors got a tip-off tonight in Chicago, beginning a four-game roadie. The San Francisco 49ers are waiting to see who they play in their NFC Divisional round, and then even the Giants are making a move right before right before the show starts, FP. So we got a lot of different things we can get into today from 10 to 2. Of course, the number, as always, is 888-957-9570, but I'm happy to be Working, of course, with you, but also getting to know you a little bit on the air because um, as as someone who early in my life, you know, wanted to play baseball at a high level, getting to now work with with someone who did it at the highest level, it's like I'm just looking forward to these next four hours, man. I'm like looking forward to learning more about you. Well, yeah, I, don't get your sight set too high. <laughs> I, I, you know, the, you know what? It, it really weird as a player, like you you watch these guys on TV and your whole life, and then you get to know some of your heroes, and it, that's the worst thing that could have ever happened. Like you start, you're like, oh, that's so and so. Oh my God, how are you doing? And then he's a jerk. So yeah. Like I hope I, I hope I don't uh, let you down. Oh no no no, never that. Uh, look, I've I've only been uh, fortunate enough to meet a couple of heroes. Fortunately. Also, none of them have been, I would say, too out of bounds. Um, like one time when I was in uh, St. Paul, actually, Minnesota, and I met Bill Murray. And he was extremely good. Thank you for the drop. That's there. why I didn't say any names because I didn't want to hear that noise right oh, out the gate. Oh, we're gonna be we're gonna be name dropping from ten to two. You best believe. But Bill Murray was super cool. Was just as advertised, dry, sarcastic, but also kind of I don't know, just a low key cat. So you know, whether it's your heroes, whether it's someone like Stephen Curry who you see all the time. Um, look, we're, we're very fortunate here in the Bay Area, FP, and I think that's kind of where where I want to start today. Right now, we got yes the the. Warriors are trying to figure out what they're doing, but the Niners are about to embark on what we hope to be a Super Bowl run, and they're looking for their sixth championship, and, and this is kind of where I want to start today, because there's been so much movement in the the coaching ring. You know, Bill Belichick is out in New England. Nick Saban's out at Alabama. Pete Carroll is out in the NFC West in Seattle, and it just got me thinking about how the 49ers are in a position to do some great things, but also to, to kind of be appreciative of the head coach that they have at this point. I know he, he doesn't have a Super Bowl, and Kyle Shanahan is looking for his first, but the 49ers, I, I think, are in a position, and we are as fans, to be extremely appreciative of what he's given us both in the last you know, seven seasons, but particularly this year as we start the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's weird how the coaching carousel of the NFL has changed, and even in college football right now in the landscape. 
And when you talk about these coaches, they're legendary coaches, right? Whether it's Belichick or Saban and the retirement. Pete Carroll, even even though nobody around here likes Pete Carroll, I've always admired his energy, his enthusiasm for the game, and I've always been a big Pete Carroll fan. Um, and now, I, I just think with today's athlete, the landscape has changed so much. And from you know being around a baseball team for a decade and seeing how the game has changed and seeing how the coaching philosophies have changed. And I think nowadays, whether you were a legendary coach, the modern-day athlete doesn't respond to the old-school ways. They just don't. And I don't know if Belichick got to a point where he was just so satisfied in all his successes mm-hmm. that maybe he felt like he knew more than his scouts. I read an article in Sports Illustrated today where they had A.J. Brown and Debo come on a recruiting trip there before the draft, and Belichick <laughs> said they, they're buddies and they were screwing around. He said, I just don't think they're serious enough. And then their scouts insisted that they draft one of those two guys, and he said no, and he went in a different direction. So maybe with so much success, you get to a point where you feel like you got it all figured out. And maybe you're not as relatable to the younger, modern-day, whatever, what is it, Gen... Z athlete. I'm going to go with Generation where I know my brother's a Gen Z. I'm technically in the millennial side. I think our producer John is too. Uh, but yeah, no, we're on we're on Gen, I don't know, XYZ? I'm not sure. So you, you can't get on, guys. Gen A. You, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Gen young guys that are super sensitive, whatever that is. <laughs> I don't know what that's called. Uh, but yeah, and so the old school ways of getting in somebody's face and yelling at them and screaming at them, even in football, doesn't play anymore. I would talk to coaches for the Nationals and they would say like, I go, dude, he's making the same mistakes all the time. I'm like, are you getting on him? And like, FP, we can't get on guys anymore. If we get on guys, we lose them for two weeks. Like the, they just get they're so sensitive to any sort of criticism now. So like, like coaching has evolved into, I think, being more relatable to players, and that's the most important thing, in in having their best interests in mind and being super authentic. Because the modern day athlete with social media, they're getting criticized all the time. Uh, they grew up in a in a, in a world where they really didn't get criticized a whole lot. So now I think they're a little more sensitive. So where the old school guys maybe don't relate, and I don't want to say the game is passing by because smart is smart. Like mm-hmm. Even if you want to get into Steve Kerr, everyone's criticizing Steve Kerr right now. He's got four rings as a coach and five as a player. Like You don't, you don't get dumb overnight. Like, but, but there comes a time when whether you're an athlete and you've had all the successes and you've made all the money and you have a beautiful family and a beautiful house and you have the rings... That maybe the motivation isn't quite what it used to be. I always marveled at how, after three championships, the Warriors could dig down deep and get number four mm-hmm. with all these guys that have all the resume and all the money. Like when when you have everything, like where do you go for that extra gear? And maybe some of these coaches and their message got a little stale. That doesn't tarnish anything they've accomplished. But I just think that the landscape of society has changed. In sports mirror society, and maybe the landscape with coaches and relationships to players have changed. And now you're going with 30 something year old coaches that can relate. You know, whether it's D'Amico, like, look at what he's done with Houston. I mean, it's unbelievable what he's done, but like, he seems relatable. You see their celebration after they won the other day. They're in the locker room and they're all just going nuts. Like, that's cool. And I think that's, that's what resonates. With the modern day athlete, whether it's basketball, whether it's football, whether it's baseball at the highest level, like you're starting to go with the younger coaches and weeding out the old school philosophy. Yeah, and that's where I think Shanahan threads the needle and is able to do it in a way like I would throw McVeigh in there, obviously, who does have a Super Bowl, Matt LaFleur uh, in Green Bay. Guys that have been with Shanahan, I think like they're young enough to understand what you're talking about, the new athlete and Shanahan's obviously been able to make it work with someone like Debo Samuel, who Belichick didn't want. But I think he's also a guy that understands because of his, obviously his familial connection to to his father, but understands how to kind of blend the old with the new school. And those are the coaches that I think have been the most successful this season in the NFL. And one of the reasons why a guy like D'Amico Ryans, who you're talking about, he's a former player. He played when it was a, a much more physical, gritty, tough type of game. But he also understands now that that doesn't always work. You kind of have to pick your spots. And I think that's a big reason why a very young Texans team has responded like they have and they find themselves in the postseason. Dude, threat the needle is a perfect term. And you know why it is? I'm going to tell you why. Because you have to be relatable to the player, but you also have to command the respect of the player. 
So in order to do that, it's a fine line. You know, it was a man before his time, and we had him on the last time I was here, was Dusty Baker. Hmm. Like, there was nobody better at Dusty Baker than relating to the player, being literally concerned with your family, your wife, your kids, what's going on at home. He'd check in on you all the time, call you in the office, walk around during batting practice, but then have that authoritative type figure where you knew he was your manager. And I always tell people, like, as much as I love Dusty Baker, my biggest challenge with him was remembering he was my manager. <laughs> like, there was a few times when I told him to F off. I did. Because it was just like a player, and he'd come over like, what, what, you're pouting in your locker because you're not playing today? And he'd start, like, jabbing you. And I'm like, yeah, Bake. F off. And I would just be like, oh, man, I just told my manager that. But, like, you would forget because when you were out after a game and he'd see you out, he'd come have a beer with you. If you were out and he saw, like, multiple players having dinner, he'd pick up the tab. So he became, like, that, that he, threading the needle, to your point, is he was, he was the modern-day coach before we're to the modern-day coach because he yeah. was so hip, he was so cool. It was like a player was coaching you, almost like a player coach. But then you had to remind yourself... And every once in a while, you would kind of waver in that sense where I, I'd be like, oh, damn, he's my manager. I can't talk to him like that because he was so cool. So now that when you have these younger coaches, I'm sure Steve Kerr's a lot like that where he's super relatable. He's got an open door. You can talk to him however you want. And then all of a sudden, you have to remind yourself, man, he's my coach. And I think I got in the doghouse for about two weeks after I said that to him. I remember to this day, we're in Pittsburgh. We're at Three River Stadium. I, it, I was platooning against lefties, and he started Marvin Bernard against the lefty, and I wasn't playing, so I was pouting in my locker. <laughs> and he came over and, and got on me and in front of everybody. And, and then I went, oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't think I played for a couple of weeks after that. But like, that's the line and the needle that you have to thread as, as a young coach today. To be relatable to the players, give them a hug, tell them everything's going to be all right, have a beer with them, go to dinner with them, but then also have that authoritative figure style like that. You know, you still have to respect them. That they're your head coach. Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero is the number if you want to chime in. Also, the Comcast Business Text Line. Evan Giddings alongside FP Santangelo in for Steining Guru here on ninety five seven. The game talking about the coaches and Kyle Shanahan in particular. Like I, I, I am appreciative of Steve Kerr. I don't think it's I don't think there's anyone that wouldn't be appreciative of what he's helped bring to the Bay Area. I think people have discussed maybe his place in the future, which is something we can certainly get into. But sticking with the 49ers, he is a big reason why. If we're just listing Super Wild Card Weekend, begins tomorrow, you know, 10 a.m., we're going to have football all weekend. I can't wait to watch both AFC, particularly in the NFC, to see who is unveiled for the path for the 49ers. But if we're just looking at stories, storylines, the 49ers, I know they don't play this weekend, and I know that they have been, top to bottom, probably either the best team or the second best team, them in Baltimore in, in, in the NFL this season. But if you look at best stories in the NFL, I know last year Brock Purdy was sweeping the nation, and he was you know, the, the crown prince of, of a lot of people's um, quarterback rooms just because of how he came out of nowhere. He still has a chance to do something historic. And I also think that Kyle Shanahan is in a unique position. Like, we're talking about what legacy can be improved or aided or sent into a different stratosphere. To me, Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy are at the top of the list if I'm looking at all these teams. And that's where I think the 49ers are in a unique position because they are favored. They're the Super Bowl favorites. They're going to get a bye. They're going to host home games throughout until the Super Bowl. But they also, to me, are flying under the radar as the best kind of story so far in this postseason. I know we got Joe Flacco, and he's trying to you know, turn back the clock in Cleveland. D'Amico Ryans, you mentioned, in Houston, has got a rookie quarterback and a sensational one, and C.J. Stroud. You know, There's a lot of... Patrick Mahomes has a chance to win his third Super Bowl, all that. But to me, the San Francisco 49ers, because of how good they've been, I don't think have really been on the radar for a lot of people as to how just impressive a Super Bowl could make both Brock Purdy, Kyle Shanahan, and a front office who just sent a piece of its um, Adam Peters out to out to Washington. So, you know, to me, if we're talking about the best stories beginning the NFL postseason, I do think the 49ers have a place at the table. And to me, it's it's kind of at the head of the table. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think a lot of people in 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 the Midwest that are Detroit Lions fans might argue with that might be the sure. story. Twelve and five with uh, Jared Goff, who uh, I don't know. I, I, 
Who would you rather them play, the Rams or the Lions? And, and, and I know it's weird because they're going to play the lowest seed and they're sitting around. Yeah. And if the favorites win, they play. They might play the Eagles in the first round, which is really w- weird to me. So we'll just see how this whole thing plays out. But yeah, I mean, the, the Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant to maybe a Super Bowl champ. And then two wins and getting to Vegas. Have we ever, I mean, is there ever going to be a crazier venue for a Super Bowl than Las Vegas? I mean, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, as a player, I'm motivated to win a Super Bowl. I'm motivated for a ring. I want to parade on Market Street. But I also motivated to go to Vegas for a week and just see what that S show is going to be like for a Super Bowl scenario in Vegas, <laughs> man. That's going to be crazy. So uh, I, I don't know. I just, I mean, this weekend to me is the best weekend in the NFL period. The, the wild card weekend, and when you're watching all these teams and all the games are on at once, it, it does. It's like almost like March Madness in the first round of the NCAA championships. Like this weekend's the best weekend for any any football fan. I can't wait. Yeah, look and, and look. Te- Texans Browns first game Saturday. Chiefs Dolphins at five o'clock on Saturday, and then of course you get into the ten a.m. Sunday. Bills Steelers Cowboys Packers Lions Rams. Yeah, I think it's look and, and maybe not the the best story, but but to me, I guess the the better way to phrase it is, I think the Forty ers and what they are as um, you know just just greats. Like the Forty ers have everything but a championship. I think everyone has given the respect that is deserved to Kyle Shanahan, and people recognize his brilliance. I think people recognize that Brock Purdy is a good quarterback. I'm not sure if there's a consensus that he is yet a great quarterback. And that was on full display earlier today when he was not named to an All-Pro team, and Dak Prescott was the second-team All-Pro quarterback, and... You know, so Brock Purdy, who had better numbers in a lot of categories, maybe that's the the, the kind of version of disrespect that he's seeing. Um, the 49ers, by the way, Christian McCaffrey, Fred Warner, George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, Trent Williams, members of the first team, Brandon Ayuk, and then Charvarius Ward on the second team. But I, but I do think if we're talking about what a Super Bowl means to to certain players. Like, a Super Bowl would mean everything to, to the city of Detroit. I'm, I'm with you. It would mean a lot to um, Joe Flacco to, to do what he's doing. Um, but as far as realistic Super Bowl contenders, you know, to me, the, the 49ers are in a position where they have maybe the most expectation on their shoulders. And so a Super Bowl would put Shanahan now, if we're talking about the coaches that have left, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, it does put him into a different tier, a different stratosphere, and one that I think people have already been inclined to to kind of put his name with, but again, he's missing the hardware, and, and that's where I do think that this, this postseason and, and potential Super Bowl run for the Niners is important. So Evan, as we open up the phone lines today, like I, I've done full shows on this. As a, as a Bay Area sports fan, or more specifically today as a Niners sports fan, what do you consider a successful season? Like, is it you have to win the Super Bowl or this year's just a total failure for you? I think that the standards have been set so high around here with the Giants in 10, 12, and 14, the Warriors in their four championships, the Niners with all of their uh, Super Bowl championships, that, that a lot of sports fans in this town, I feel like, are entitled in the sense that their expectations are so high that even if the Niners get to the Super Bowl and lose this year. Mm. I mean, they got to win two tough games. I, I know they're at Levi's, and we're all kind of assuming they're going to do this. Anything can happen in the playoffs. It's usually the hot team that, that that runs it, whatever sport it is. But, like, what do you consider a successful season? Like, are you the sports fan out there that's saying, like, if my team doesn't win the Super Bowl, they suck, and this is a failure of a year? Because, like, as, as a former athlete, like, there's so much more that goes into a successful season. Thank you. There's so much more that goes into a successful season for us because there's only one team that goes home happy, right? Yeah. There's only one team that has the parade. There's only one team that gets the rank. So, like, as a sports fan, are you okay if the Niners get to the Super Bowl and lose? Or is a successful season for you, like, yeah, what are you talking about? They have to win the Super Bowl or else, you know, everybody's on the hot seat. Like, have they set the bar so high with how well they played the last two years that if they don't win the Super Bowl this year, you're going to be pissed off? I don't know if I'd be pissed, but I'd, I'd find it hard to believe that there's any 49ers fan that wouldn't be extremely disappointed if they didn't win the Super Bowl. Disappointed, but would you consider the season a failure? This season, yes. So if they don't win at all and there's not a parade right here on Market Street that we're looking at, it's 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 a failure of a season. Yeah. Like that that's how that's how much confidence I do have in the 49ers to to make the Super Bowl. I, I know that 
one game, one Sunday, one play, things happen. But with how dominant they've been this year, I mean, I don't know. Would you consider them the best team in the NFL? Yes, top to bottom? absolutely. They have been since, I don't know, week five. Even after they lost three games. Yeah. I, had never, I didn't lose faith in them at all. So, to me, if you're the best team and you have the best roster... You may not have the best player at every single position, but in totality, like you have, I think they have the best offense going away. Their defense is a top three group. Um, th- that to me says that you you should go win the Super Bowl. Like, and and I know I know that things happen, and I'm generally not a Super Bowl or bust person. But one of the reasons why you're talking about the expectations, it's yes, is the the Giants winning three. It's also the Warriors having won four, and the Niners still are kind of. Waiting for that for that chip. I, Super Bowls might be harder to win than than anything. I, I I don't know, but to me, with the way that the season is played out, I do think we would look back on this season as a failure if they don't win at all. Evan, I've had friends say after the, the Giants won three championships, I've had friends say, "Why can't they just win one at home?" <laughs> like I, I'm sick of them winning the World Series on the road, and I, I just it blows my mind. I'm like, do you know how hard it is to like to win a World Series? I mean, they went Incredibly 50, 50 something years without winning a World Series since they moved from New York to San Francisco. And people were upset. Like, l- legit would come up to me and say, like, yeah, that was great, but I just wish they would win one at home. And I'm like, I don't care where you win it. In, in the Target parking lot, on the road, wherever, you win a championship, you win a championship. But I think expectations for Bay Area sports fans have been set so high. And you want your fan base to expect greatness. You do. But, like, I, I don't judge seasons by championship or bust like if the Niners get to the Super Bowl and lose a close game I'm going to still think it's a successful season for them and all the thrills and enjoying the ride and the ups and the downs of the season and what they've brought entertainment wise to me even last year like last year's the first time I can ever remember as a sports fan where I liked watching defense better than offense with the way their defense flew around last year before Brock got hurt in the NFC championship game in Philadelphia this year the offense has been the story I think the defense has some question marks lately. I don't know if they're banged up or their their tackling just isn't the same. But like, there's, I think the thing to watch in two weeks is like, has Jake Moody been on the couch for like a couple of weeks talking to his therapist after what happened on Sunday? Like, no, no, don't talk. About we, we remember with it was it Maher the the the, the Cowboys kicker Maher, last yeah. year. He couldn't make an call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. He's got the yips. He got the yips. Like, you know, Moody's used all 18 feet, six inches of the uprights all season long in, in, in the playoffs. Like, Robbie Gold was money, dude. So, like, we can talk about everything and break everything down, but that's the one thing that really scares me about them in the playoffs. And to me, if it comes down to that point, yeah. Like, you do have a rookie kicker, and whenever you lose, no matter what sport, your flaws are revealed. Like, when you lose, you find out where you lack in a certain area. Could be on the offensive line, could be the secondary, could be your kicker. Uh, we're talking about the Niners. But to me, with how good that they've looked, and with their... Like, they're the best team. And when the best team doesn't win, okay, maybe failure is a, is a little strong. But, FP, meet me here then. Dude, I'm in the minority here, like, with my take. Trust me. Everybody listening in their car right now. What if they don't it? make the Super Bowl? Yeah, like that. That would. What if be, they lose in the first round? You wouldn't consider that a failure. I'd be disappointed. See, to me, and yes, the level ramps up. I mean, if they get beat by the Rams, or I'd be pissed. They, I, mean, I, I well, think I'd be. Pissed. I can't envision them losing to the Eagles. I'd be but, pissed. I wouldn't be disappointed. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd be furious if I was a 49ers fan. But but that that to me is is where this team is at. Like we're talking about how they got 4,000-yard players. Brock Purdy is a revelation and you got him for two more seasons. And you know, I, I guess there's there's hope going into next year no matter what because you have a, a contract, you know, manageable quarterback. But I think there's a lot of people out there with the way that this year has looked and really the last one and a half seasons have looked like if you don't get it done this year, this is the best 49ers team of my lifetime. I was born right after the 94 season, so I have not seen a, a great, great 49ers team of, of old, 90s, 80s, all that. This is the best 49ers team that I've seen from top to bottom. And, and that's, to me, why I would label it a failure if they don't win. I know it's hard to, to say in in a sport in which you know a, a drop kick or a missed kick can be the reason why you lose. But in that case, I think we'd come in on Monday or you know, whatever day and basically look at the game and say, well, it shouldn't have come down to a kick. Like, that's how good I think the Niners are. The only team to me that can measure up to them is the Baltimore Ravens, and I think they have a much tougher path in the AFC. So, yeah, Ravens are tough. I mean, look, look, and what we're talking about here at 888-957-9570 is what is the story going into the NFL's postseason? What are you looking forward to learning this weekend what is the path that you would prefer for the 49ers? Is it the path of least resistance? Is it a matchup with the Rams? Is it a, another meeting with the Eagles? We're going to get into that on the other side as we continue on. 888-957-9570. It's a Football Friday brought to you by First 5 California. To learn four things you can do to overcome toxic stress, go to first5california.com. Also a reminder, you can catch all four hours of Steining Guru on the free Odyssey app, plus watches on YouTube and Twitch, powered by First NorCal Credit Union. That's FP Santangelo. My name is Evan Giddings, filling in for Matt Steinmetz and Daryl the Guru Johnson. We're back after this on 95.7 The Game. Back to Steiny and Guru on 95.7 The Game. Evan Giddings alongside FB Santangelo here with you on 95.7 The Game talking about failure in sports. But before we get to that, we're also bringing, of course, the San Francisco 49ers. I don't know if Brock Purdy necessarily has a fastball, but it sounds like FP the Giants have a new uh, pitcher that's got pretty hard fastball. Yeah, they signed Jordan Hicks to, what, a four-year, $44 million deal. Jordan Hicks, if you don't know, is was a closer for the Cardinals. He'd come in sometimes to be dominant. He throws 104 yeah. miles an hour. at like the, the I think he's thrown the hardest fastball in the major leagues ever. Yeah. I think he hit 105 a couple of times. He overtook Araldis, yeah. But sometimes it's a snowball fight, and he doesn't know where it's going. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Well, you know, like a snowball fight on Elf when he just starts like throwing them everywhere. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. And it sounds like the Giants are going to make him a starter. So this will be interesting, an interesting experiment by the San Francisco Giants. A forty-four million dollar experiment. This guy does have a golden arm. It's just command and control and throwing strikes have been an issue. Yeah, I mean, look, we're, we're keeping tabs on everything the Giants are doing, or, or in some cases not doing this offseason, but you tag him, Robbie Ray, uh, Jung Ho Lee have probably been the biggest acquisitions in the free agency period for the San Francisco Giants. Would you consider Brock Purdy a player with a golden arm, FP? No. What is a good... Joe Montana gotta, didn't have a golden arm. <laughs> you gotta throw seeds, you gotta throw rockets, gotta throw pellets... Yeah, I mean, they, John Elway had a golden arm. That, like, that's to me like one of the best arms in the history of the NFL. Our producer John is a big Broncos fan, so he was just throwing up the. Uh... Yeah, I mean, it, it, but you don't have to have a golden arm, not John Elway, to be successful. Greg Maddox threw ninety-one miles an hour. Joe Montana didn't have a cannon. Derek Jeter didn't have a great arm at shortstop. So it's more about like, I think, I don't know the intangibles. Oh. And with Brock Purdy, he abs- he absolutely doesn't have a, a, a fantastic arm, but he, the timing, the wherewithal, the confidence, the ability to extend a play, the ability to keep his eyes downfield, accuracy on the run, uh, reading the defenses, getting his team in the right play, commanding a huddle. There's so many different things that go into an athlete uh, to be a winning player besides just tools. I mean, I, I mean, there were so many guys with way more talent than I ever had that, that never got out of the minor leagues because they couldn't put it all together. So you can have a golden arm, but if you can't read a defense, you can't read a coverage, you panic in the pocket, you don't have confidence. Like There's so many different things that go into it besides just you know the tools. Yeah, and that's why I thought it was interesting that someone who doesn't always read defenses, doesn't always 
operate the way you would like him to in the pocket. Dak Prescott was named the second-team All-Pro quarterback over Brock Purdy. So maybe a bit of a slight there, but Brock's got an opportunity to prove him wrong uh, yet again, as he did in Week 5, which you brought up in the first segment. And he's got a chance to prove everyone wrong in the playoffs. Uh, Beginning next weekend, the 49ers are going to figure out FP by Tuesday, who they're playing in the divisional round. And we also want to remind you that starting Tuesday, all listeners will have a chance to win an autographed Christian McCaffrey jersey. All you got to do is listen Tuesday the 16th during the Monering Roast between 7.30 and 8.30 a.m. Steiny and Guru, 12.30 to 1.30, and Willard and Dibbs, 4.30 to 5.30. So this is how it works. And each of the shows will give you out a keyword, and then all you have to do is text the code we give you, and then you'll qualify to win the CMC jersey for a better chance to win you can text each keyword during every show to give yourself a better odds to win this Christian McCaffrey jersey FP and I got it right behind me so I just want to hop off the mic for one sec you have it am I eligible to win this I want to enter I'm only part-time I think I'm eligible can I win this dude that's that's insane is that game worn I don't think so but it's still beautiful it's beautiful man I want that He's a first-team All-Pro, by the way, Christian McCaffrey. Is he going to win the MVP? Who's winning the MVP? It's probably going to be Lamar. But yeah. Christian McCaffrey, <laughs> this is so funny. Like We've, we've had this conversation a lot, uh, especially on this show. Like, yeah, Who's the most important player? Is it Brock? Is it CMC? Well, Brock plays the most important position. Man, Christian McCaffrey, I mean, they're, they're both incredibly fun to watch. But, like, I, I grew up a, a Chargers fan, so my favorite player growing up was Ladanian Tomlinson, and like I've never seen a player like him up until this guy, Christian McCaffrey. It's it Marshall Falk. Marshall Falk. Yeah, no, no doubt. He gets. I mean, I guess I was I was a little young then, but that's absolutely a name that his name is is attached to, and pretty much like every record that this guy throws up: touchdowns, receiving, rushing. Um, and I can't wait to see how healthy he is, too. Because, like, he got the calf strain a couple weeks ago. Looks like he's going to be 100% starting for the divisional round. Uh, but the Niners need him maybe more than anyone else. Yeah, I mean, he just he's a football player. Like, in every sense of the word. I don't know. I was wondering if he was being overused. Like, I was hoping a pitch count. I'm glad he sat out last week. I'm glad he got rest. Yeah. Because he was getting dinged up. He was getting banged up. Between the tackles, he's been so good this year because he's just shifty. He's patient. He waits for the play to develop. He follows his blockers, and he's just got a great sense. Uh, and a nose for the end zone, too. But, I mean, he, whatever. Wide receiver, running back, whatever. He's always, he's, 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 he's Brock safety net. Like when he goes, it checks down, like, no, no, no. And there's Christian always in the right. Swing it out to him, and that's eight yards at the very least. Yeah. Which is awesome. Everything goes forward, and everything is moving forward. Everything's in front of the San Francisco 49ers right now. 888-957-9570 is the number. That's FP Santangelo. My name is Evan Giddings, filling in for Steining Guru here on a freestyle, a fun, an aloha Friday, by the way. Let's get out to the phone lines. Let's bring on Gina from Oakland. Wants to talk about what you were discussing in the first segment, FP, the idea of spoiled fans. What's up, Gina? You're on 95.7 The Game. Hi, gentlemen. I just want to keep it short and say um, I've lived here for about 10 years, and my boyfriend and I have this argument consistently. I feel like the Bay Area sports fans are incredibly spoiled. I come from a market of repeated failure, so I'm from Minnesota, and it's like to sit here and complain and complain and complain is like theater of the absurd for me. You guys have so many incredible teams, and it's just like a pleasure to watch them win. But you don't deserve to win every time. The expression is you win some, you lose some. So, I don't know. I would like to see people be a little kinder to the teams here when they don't do as well. Because it's like they're great 99% of the time. And that's really fun to watch compared to watching people lose your entire life. See, that that's the point I made when I used to talk about this all the time. Because there's there's markets and there's cities that they, they haven't won anything. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting here and, you know, when a team's 500, everyone's losing their mind. And, and when a team doesn't win a championship, the coach should be fired and the players should be released or traded and trade everybody. And, and, and all of a sudden, a coach that has so much success is dumb overnight. Like, what she's saying, and I think... You know, when when you've lived in other places and you've been a fan of a team, like you don't you don't judge your season by if my team wins a Super Bowl, it's a great season. You judge your season by like I really love that player and I I love watching him. I love going to the games. And maybe I don't want to say that's a loser's mentality, but maybe that's more of a realistic mentality in the sense that you know I, I think everybody in this 
in the Bay Area realizes it's hard to win a championship. But I also think they expect it. And, it, and if the season isn't going the way that you expected, you lose your mind. And if I'm an owner of a team or of a coach of a team, I want my fans to expect greatness because nobody's going to expect more out of my team than me as the coach. But then I feel like sometimes, and maybe it's just the sports talk mentality radio, where you're, you're talking to passionate fans that, that love the game and live and die. What Clay said the other day about, like, I, I'm not losing sleep over it. If you as a fan... It, it, I should say this. Let me back up a little bit. If it appears that you as a fan care more about the team losing than the, the, the team itself, that's when you see fans lose their mind. And I think you have a right to lose your mind as a fan when you see players sometimes with kind of a I don't really care attitude or it's going to change and we'll be fine. I think fans want to see the same passion that they have when their team loses. And when you throw the remote control at the TV set because your team is playing bad and then somebody that you love, like Clay, comes out and says, like, what do you want me to lose sleep over? it well we kind of do want you to lose sleep over it and i feel like the fact that clay went there with that question immediately that what do you want me to do lose sleep over it kind of tells me that he is losing sleep over it but he just doesn't want to let on yeah i mean look i i think barry fans are also knowledgeable like they're smart so to me the expectation of a championship also comes from an understanding of all right what's a fair expectation for the team like i don't think anybody last year was up in arms that the giants weren't going to be World Series contenders. Now, they might have been mad about the direction the season was going, but they weren't mad because the Giants weren't going to win a championship. That was understood. Even the Golden State Warriors, I think people want them to be competitive, and that's why people were booing the last two games, is because they weren't even competitive. But I don't know how many fans out there were entering this season saying, we have to win title number five for Stephen Curry. We have to win the next championship. The 49ers, to me, are in, the, in a unique position. I told you this during the break. I'm not necessarily a, a championship or bust guy, but with how close the Niners have gotten, both last year, as well as even go back 2019, they've been to three NFC championship games last five seasons. Like This does feel like an obstacle that they can hurdle, and that I feel like this like this is the year. This does feel in many ways like the season for them. And that's why I think everything that's aligned for them in terms of health, in terms of productivity, in terms of the the accolades that we're seeing now today, they got five first team all pro players, two guys on the on the second team. They have the most talent in football. And and that's why the word failure might be harsh, it might be strong, but I don't lump that in the category of being a spoiled fan. I, I lump that in the category of fans understanding just how good this San Francisco 49ers team is. And they've checked off every single box so far. They've won the division. They got the one seed. They got the bye that they, that they sought. Now it's about going out and winning the Super Bowl. That, to me, is, I think, an understandable place to be as a fan. It's an understandable place to be, and I get it. Especially if if you see that they are the best team and they are, but like, are are you cool with like Warriors fans booing the team right now? Like after all they've done and in the parade, hell, I just moved back from D.C. and I was here a, a month and there was a parade on Market Street and I went and watched the Warriors <laughs> yeah. win their fourth championship. And, and and do you think it's it's I I think the East Coast is more. Um, used to booing if a team's underperforming, but like you don't see that a whole lot out here. Like so it's saying a lot of Warrior fans are booing this team right now. Yeah. And is that cool to boo a team that's done that much for you? Is it because you're you're ready to cheer? Even Steph said, like, I would, you know, I, I'm I'm booing the way I'm playing and I think, you know, I'm booing the way that the team is playing right now. I get that. So there's an accountability from Steph Curry, but like I, I don't know. I, I just why are you booing? Because because here's here's my take. If your team is giving you an effort, if your team is going out there and they're diving for loose balls or they're playing their ass off in baseball and in football and they're giving you an effort as a fan and you feel like you paid this much and you're getting your money's worth, then I don't think you boo. I think when when you finally are driven to the point where you're going to boo is because you, you you paid a lot of money and they're not playing hard. If there's effort there and they're losing close games, and it's exciting. You're like, oh, we lost by two, but that was a great game tonight. Then I don't think you boo, but I think right now the Warriors fans aren't frustrated so much with the record. It's how they're approaching the game, and it's kind of lackluster, and it doesn't seem like they're they're playing with with any intensity 
or confidence. I know I agree wholeheartedly. I was I was in the building for the Pelicans game, and when the booze started coming down, like I, I'm not someone that booze. That's just not really who I am. Um, I have a level of respect for any professional athlete to the point like I, I don't know what it would take for me to boo an athlete, but when I heard him start coming down, you could under you could see why. I mean, the team came out flat. For the second consecutive game, mind you. And so in the second quarter, when you go down 25 points in the first 15 minutes of the game, as a fan, and you're talking about spending money, I mean, the I think the cheapest ticket for that game, an ABC game, was like 70 or 80 bucks, you know, to be in the nosebleeds. Like, if you're spending big money on that game, I cannot fault anyone in that building for booing and standing up and feeling the way that they did. Because, to your point, it wasn't about the team, and the record. It was about the lack of effort. It was about how quiet it was in there. It was about the lack of just overall an emotion. Like, they they didn't look like they cared. And so that's why I thought the boos were warranted. Um, But I also understand the other side of what you're talking about, which is as a player, you know, you might feel defensive about that because you, especially if you're Steph Curry, like, I don't think he's ever been booed before. I don't think he's accustomed to be booed. I don't think he feels like he deserves to be booed. Dude, we had a saying, if you don't like it, play better. So if you don't like the booze, play better. It's very simplistic, but it, 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 it says everything. You don't like it, play better. Play harder. Like, give the fans their money's worth. Like, whatever it takes on that given night. Felipe Alou always used to say, like, we work three hours a day. Do you know how many people that work nine to five that sit in a traffic wish they could work three hours a day? Like a baseball game is three hours. That's all you have to work today. And you can't go out there and give me your best effort for three hours. But I also think, Evan, like you get to a point, and I've seen this in baseball a lot, where you have all the rings, you have the big contract, you have the big house, you have a beautiful family, you have a wife, you have the kids. Like where do you go to to get motivated for a fifth ring? Do you know how hard it is? both physically and mentally, to climb that mountain and stick the flag in the top of the mountain, have the parade, and win a championship? How much energy that takes, both physically and mentally? And then where do you go again when you have everything, dude? You are you got, you have all the cars, you have all the success, you have the legacy, you have the resume, you have everything. You're set for life. Like your kids, 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 kids are never going to have to pay for anything the rest of their life. You've cemented your legacy as a Hall of Famer. Like, where do you go? Like, where do you go to get that drive and desire? This is something I know nothing about. And I've always, like, wondered, like, when you have it all. Human nature, like, if you won the lottery today, like, would you come in and do the show tomorrow? Like, when when you have everything, you have the big house. You live in Pack Heights. You have a Lambo. You have a Mercedes. You have a beautiful wife. You have three kids. They all go to the best schools. You have everything you need. Like, where's the motivation to hit that gas pedal and to dig down. Where do you dig to, to find, like, yeah, there's professional pride, right? You walk on the court, you want to compete. But then if things start going south, like, where, where, where do you have that inner drive and desire to reach deep down and to turn that thing around? You just say, hey, man, like, I got four rings. I got, like, 800 gazillion dollars in the bank. I have a house here, a house there, a house there. Like, I travel everywhere on a private plane. Like, like, so there's different motivations for different people. Like, in whatever your motivation is as an athlete, like if you come to, from the Dominican Republic and maybe, you know, you're setting up generations with money and mm-hmm. you've achieved all these dreams that that's your motivation, right? If you, if you come from um, wherever and money's your motivation, that's okay. If that's your motivation on a daily basis, great. If your motivation is to win a championship or to be great, that's great. Your motivation is for fame and stats, to get to the Hall of Fame, that's great. Whatever your motivation is, bring it. Like, I never look sideways at a teammate because one guy maybe didn't care about his winning as much, but he cared about the money. Or one guy maybe didn't care about winning as much, and he'd look at the stat sheet when he walked into the locker room every day. Or one guy, that's all he cared about was winning. I didn't care what your motivation was. I just wanted you to want to win and want to beat our opponent on that given day. But like right now with the Warriors, or if you're just an athlete in general, or you're just the CEO of a corporation, or you invented the the iPhone, like where where does where does the motivation on a daily basis come from to be great every single day when you already have everything? Because I know I would take a deep breath 
I would just be like, oh, we're losing. And chill out, man. I'm, I'm cool. Yeah. Like, it sucks that we're losing. I want to be, I want to compete. I want to beat you. But if we don't, I still driving home to my house with my, you know, look at my rings in the case and my trophies in the case. And I got everything. So, like, that, that part to me, I've always just marveled at, like, how, how, how you can go for Title Five and how can you be motivated for Title Six, and how, how you want to be the greatest all the time when you already have everything. Well, I, I think that's why Steph is such a unique person, as well as player, of course. But you, I think you have to have a little, a little psycho in you. Like you, you have to be someone that is unbelievably competitive to try and draw different motivational tactics from either on your way to the arena maybe you know maybe the warriors are, are listening to the show right now and and they're trying they're just like who, you know who the hell are these guys talking about uh things that they've never done but maybe it's that maybe it's that level of motivation maybe it's someone sending you a text message uh saying you know it's a personal challenge can you go do this tonight um you know for for a, for a four-time champ like i do think i'm with you it is extremely difficult to motivate yourself to get the fifth but you can also draw on the experience of well you've also done it four times what were you like what mindset were you in when you were in the process of building the first then the second you're hungry then the third then the fourth you're hungry and for not all of them but a lot of them these guys have been making big money a lot of these guys have been living comfortably for a long time now they're older, and so maybe it's a you know it's a motivational like I'm fighting against myself, I'm fighting against Father Time. That's where I think the Warriors have run into trouble this year because I think there's a lot of guys that are trying to motivate themselves, and there's not as much like you you, you know this. If you're in a locker room, a big motivational factor is is everyone on the same page. Like, is everyone aligned in the one goal, which is to win on that given night? But then, of course to win more and to win a championship and all these goals that you have as a team. I don't know if everyone in the Warriors right now, which is juxtaposed against the 49ers, I feel very confident the 49ers are all on the same page right now and that they all have the same goal in mind. They haven't won a title yet, but the Warriors, I think, are in a position where some guys have these goals, some guys have this goal. I don't know if there is one goal for this team right now, and that to me is why we're seeing such inconsistency. Yeah, talent plays too. For sure. And, and they're definitely not the most talented team. No doubt. This is, yeah. I, I, don't like, wanna... I, I mean, I think they're better than a team below, three, three games below 500, though. Dude, there's this great book by uh, Tim Grover. It's called Relentless. If you ever just want to read a great book on, it, it, it talks about, um, it talks about um, it, how, what it takes to be successful. And that all great athletes, and it, 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 Tim Grover was Michael Jordan's trainer. Yeah. And he talks about how Michael Jordan had a dark side. And how every great athlete, whether it's Tiger Woods, whether it's Michael Jordan, they have a place that they go to, like a dark side, to motivate them. And that there's there's guys that are just happy to be there. There's guys that would be cool if we won a championship. And there's guys that they won't settle for anything less but greatness on a daily basis. And if you're not going to step up to my level, then I can't even look at you. I don't want to be around you. And that you have that mentality as a team. And I think all great teams have this mentality where we're not playing you. You are playing us. And, and I, right now, I think the Warriors don't have that mentality. And back in the day, it was like, you're playing us. No matter if it's home or road, you're playing us, and you have to step up to our level today to beat us. And now I feel like the Warriors are playing other teams mm -hmm. and trying to step up to their level. And that's just, that's I don't know if that's talent. I don't know if that's attitude. I don't know if, if it's coaching. I don't know what it is, but but they don't have that same swagger. They don't have that same dark side that they used to have. Like I, I do think that Curry has a dark side. It doesn't manifest itself in the same way like Jordan or anything. But you see Curry get demonstrative. You see Curry be, you know, show an expression of just a, a fire and emotion. We see it, and we've seen it at times also. You know, whether he's, he's kicking a chair or he's slamming a chair, like he is an uber competitor. And I think all of these guys are just because you're not. Um, you know, as expressive as like Draymond Green doesn't mean you're not that level of a competitor. So to me, like I do think that all great champions have that dark side that you're talking about, and that to me is what makes you know we're looking at okay. So like Bill Belichick just retired the other day, just hired his replacement, but he's got six titles, six Super Bowls. Um, Tom Brady was 
Like, that guy was a psychopath at times. And he was also someone that could dial it back when he needed to. Like, that that level of, of champion, uh, Derek Jeter, you know, is, is another great champion. I don't know. I don't know how those guys are able to compartmentalize and be able to switch that thing on and off. Which is why I have such a level of respect for Steph. That he's the greatest athlete of of my generation in, in my lifetime, especially here in the Bay Area. But you know, the, the Warriors. I'm with you. Like it's it, it is a question of of talent for sure compared to such as the 49ers. Um, but I also think that the effort and attitude is something that. Right now is is just such a, a roller coaster ride, and is probably one of the questions in the locker room of like, hey guys, like how how do you know that they're going to come out at five p.m. today against Chicago, and not be the team that was at Chase Center? Like I don't I don't know. Maybe getting away, maybe getting away from home, getting away from the noise is what they need right now. But the level of effort is the thing that's concerning me the most about the Warriors. The level of effort with the Forty ers has never been a question. So I mean, get ready with the drip sound over there. All right. So story time with FP. Gather around, kids. The, the 2001 Oakland A's that I was a tiny, itty bitty, small bench guy part of. We were 102 and 60. We were right around 500 around See, the All Star break. That was we, right when I started coming into baseball fandom. Yeah, dude. We, we won every. So cool. we, for the second half of the season, we basically won every single night. And we didn't. We didn't just want to beat you. In game one of the series, we wanted to beat your will to win. I pulled Jason Worth aside when he was a national. He was trying to get these guys to have a winner's mentality. And he had won a World Series mm-hmm. with, the, with the Phillies before this. And he agreed with me. With the A's, we didn't just want to beat you. We wanted to beat your will to win game two, three, and four of the series. We didn't want to just beat you. We wanted to beat your city. Like, we would fly into a city and take over your city. We would beat your city. Like, that's the mentality we had. We would go out at night together. We would have a blast together. When we took off after a three-game series in Cleveland, we wanted to see smoke coming from the city as we left. Like, that was our mentality. We weren't just beating your team. We were beating your city. And we were, like, like taking your soul out in game one, where you didn't even think you had a chance to play with us. Yeah. In games two, three, and four, you were just showing up because you had no chance. So we didn't just beat your team, we beat your city. We'll break into that. We'll break that down on the other side. I do want to dig deeper into that. But that segment, by the way, is brought to you by In at the Tides, relaxing days, stunning sunsets, winter is magical in Bodega Bay. Come experience it all at the In at the Tides. Winter midweeks rates start at just one seventy nine per night and include breakfast and a bottle of wine upon arrival. Book ahead at inatthetides.com. Okay, that's FP Santangelo. My name is Evan Giddings. I see you, Greg and Buckus. We'll get to you on the other side as we continue here on ninety five seven. The game. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.